0: Hi, guys. Nate here from Cagecast. Just want to let you know that we started this podcast a long time ago with love in our hearts, but not a lot of technical knowledge. Some of the audio and the editing might be a little rough in these first few episodes. So please enjoy them for what they are.
1: And know that we get better with age.
0: Like a fine cheese. Or wine. That is all.
1: Thanks for your support.
0: Bye.
2: It was quite the reception you had the other day, Mr. Hanlon. All that adulation must have been quite intoxicating. (laughs) Yes. But you know what rather surprised me? That you looked so ordinary. From the newspaper reports, I was expecting some godlike giant of a
0: man. Ah,
3: well, they say I look bigger with my clothes off.
0: And welcome to CageCast, the podcast that joyfully dissects the filmography of one of America's most unique and engaging leading men, Nicolas Cage. I'm Nate Porter, and with me is Britt Porter.
1: Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. Uh, For those of you who are new to the show, here's how CageCast works. We're in the process of watching every Nicolas Cage film in order according to their official release date. We'll be reviewing every film in which Nicolas Cage had either a starring role or an integral supporting role. This week, we're reviewing The Boy in Blue.
0: Oh, we sure are. Wow. Well, we break down the film's plot and themes, and then after Mm -hmm. that, we'll rate each film on a scale um, from 0 to 4 in three different categories. The film as entertainment, the film as art, and then in terms of Cage's performance. Last week, our cumulative score for Birdie was a 16, a whopping 16 out of 24, which is about a 66.6 out of... 100, which brings it in as the best Nick Cage movie out of the three that we've reviewed so far. Now, the question is, will The Boy in Blue claim the top spot this week?
1: And as a reminder, we do not share our scores with each other before the show.
0: And if we did, we wouldn't tell you.
1: Right. Because we're tricky that way.
0: Right. Tricky, tricky. That's us. So, uh, (laughs) after that, we round out the show with our patented Cage Cast Running Totals Rapid Fire Questionnaire. Uh, it's actually not an original idea at all, uh, so I'm not sure how they let me patent it.
1: Hey, Nate, guess what?
0: What's that, Brit?
1: We got some feedback this week. Woohoo! You're a liar. I'm not! Okay. I promise. Prove we- it. Lula from the Cage Lot Castle Forum, which is a Nick Cage fan site online, sent us her take on Birdie. And here's what she had to say. Birdie was a film in which Nick Cage was not too comfortable. He referred to it once as emotional vomit in the sense that he was just completely open and at all times still quite deep in the method. The result, from my point of view, was a very powerful, authentic, ironically mature performance from a very young actor.
0: Do you know what method acting is?
1: Uh, I don't, but... I'm guessing some sort of very technical sort of. It's a- almost academic.
0: Well, it's basically style. like like you be- you're that character. You are that character. Like you
1: you live, you live and, and, breathe. And, eat and breathe
0: and when you're not, you know, filming, they still call you that person and you talk like that person. And you act like that person and wow. you know, right?
1: That's intense.
0: I bet he does it for Ghostwriter too.
1: I hope he does. That would be fantastic.
0: I wonder if he wears a skull? Mask, never mind. Um, (laughs) uh, Probably not, but this is a great time to remind you that we desperately desire your feedback here on CageCast. If you've ever wanted your name and email read on a podcast before, this is probably your best shot. We want to thank Lula for her insight. And uh, we're honored to have you as a listener, Lula. And make sure you can share the CageCast love there on Cage Lot Castle. It is a uh, a hoot to go to that site. You've been there, Britt.
1: I have. Yeah, it's, it's fabulous. Something. And
0: we are CageCast are members now of the Cage Lot Castle. So so Google that, people. You'll you'll have a fun time.
1: Yes, absolutely. And just once again, another reminder: we are now on iTunes. Yes. And so far, we have two reviews. Although I don't know that one of them counts because it's from Nate.
0: I put my username as I am Nate Porter. So. It's not confusing for people.
1: Okay. They know we're rating our own show. Right. I hope you gave it a good review. Have
0: you rated it yet?
1: I haven't. I okay. have not. Well, let's. <laughs> I feel like that's, you know...
0: We can get us. We can get up to three. Okay. okay. <laughs>
1: our other review is from Kevin Crossman, who is a podcasting great in his own right. So, thank you, Kevin, for listening. Yes, thanks, Kevin. So, here's what you need to do. Uh, we need you to go to iTunes and give us the best rating you can without completely lying.
0: What about, like, a partial lie?
1: Uh, A little white one, maybe, but we cannot officially condone lying in any of its forms here on CageCast. But our big upcoming listener push, sort of coming out party, is going to be for Raising Arizona. That's just a couple more podcasts down the line. And we're hoping to have some guest analysis on that episode as well. Perhaps some familiar names from out there in the podcastosphere. So, really, your high praise on iTunes will help us get off the ground, as it were. Perfect.
0: Perfect. All right. So We're there's getting, our plug. Yes, plug, plugged. Consider it plugged. Yes. Uh, so let's uh, whew, let's get to the boy in blue. <laughs> okay.
1: Wow. Let's get. You this have your going. you have your wine. I do. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I do. take a
0: sip because I'm gonna need it. Mm.
1: Give us our stats. Nate. Okay.
0: Well, the release date was January 17th, 1986. So uh, uh, over a year after Birdie came out, this came out. The budget. I don't know, and I guess I kind of don't care, because I know the box office was $275,000.
1: Oh, no. Total. Yeah. The box office did not care for the boy in blue. Did not. Um no. Yikes. Uh, notable co-stars in this. Cynthia Dale, who plays Maggie, and she was also in Moonstruck, which we'll be reviewing in not yeah, too long. She's her work there. Yep, and a bunch of TV. Nothing really notable. Um but then Christopher Plummer who we yes. all know and like
0: legend yes living legend
1: yes yes and we'll just name a couple of his big ones obviously the sound of music
0: classic love uh, it
1: wonderful have you seen The Sound of
0: Music? I was <laughs> doing that on purpose. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? No, I haven't seen it. Can you believe it, folks? I need folks? to. I need this, to see it.
1: This man Horrible. claims to be a, a cinemaphile, but has not seen The Sound of Why Music. Why don't we just
0: have A Sound of Music, Lawrence of Arabia, and uh, Gone with the Wind day Mar- marathon you and me so we just
1: we'll get them all out of the oh way oh my
0: gosh it's only because it's so long
1: <laughs> it's wonderful and he I mean, is wonderful i'm down in for a it. nazi
0: movie there's nazis in it right there are nazis. so i'm down for that okay but it's just
1: the length he was also in the insider he was the villain in pixar's up and he's also in david fincher's new uh, movie girl with the dragon tattoo Ooh! so still active active I wonder and wonderful he has and a, nose- wonderful. a
0: nose ring in that I don't know. So the director was Charles Jarrett. Uh, He did a bunch of TV stuff, a few movies that I or you probably have never heard of, and that's about it. So
1: That might give you a little bit of a taste for what's in store with this podcast.
0: Right. As far as the writers, the screenplay was by Douglas Bowie, uh, who's also done nothing else that you ever heard of, a lot of TV stuff. Um, One thing I did find in my research, his first writing credit writ, 1973s, and I kid you not, the girl in blue whoa so
1: this this <laughs> film was really a <laughs> really a big departure for That's him exactly
0: i'm sensing a theme Creat- in creatively creating voice <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's this, so this is obviously He is a,
1: exploring some uncharted territory here. A,
0: a, a sequel in spirit. Um, now, here's the sad part, Brett. This thing was nominated for three Genie Awards. So oh, you know I, what that is? I don't even oh, want God. to know. Okay, so the Genie Awards are Canada's Oscars. Ouch. So it was nominated, oh, and I am sound depressed, because if you've seen this movie or watch it along with us, you'll know why. It was nominated in art direction, sound editing, um, and Sean Sullivan was nominated for supporting actor. He played Walter, that old coot who, um, who made the seats.
1: Oh, okay. Right. So, well, he wasn't. Um, he was... Maybe the small shining moment. No, in this. he
0: wasn't. Um, <laughs> so the cage genre here definitely bad boy rebel cage.
1: Yeah, yeah, sort of. With sort a soft,
0: of. with a soft spot. Yeah. and uh, you know I put lovably dopey cage.
1: I am uh, going to contest the lovably part. I am going to go with just dopey in for this one. Personally. I think a lot
0: of people would find him lovably dopey.
1: Well, I don't count me among them.
0: Okay. Well, we we so, agree on dopey cage. We agree on dopey. Dopey for um, sure. As far as the soundtrack goes, normally, as you know, we play a few songs off the movie soundtrack. Uh, we're not going to do that this week for a few reasons. One, it's um, it's hard to find. Um, it's really just instrumental tracks as well, really just a score as well. And it's really horrible. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's one of the worst uh, movie scores I've, I think I've ever heard. So I think we're going to wait till the end and play one of the tracks for you. But in lieu of some tracks from the actual soundtrack, I just picked some nice boat themed and rowing themed music to interject. So I hope you like it. Um, the one other thing I want to note about this movie is it's incredibly hard to find. Uh, it's not on Netflix or Quickster, which Netflix is becoming in a few weeks from now, as of the recording of this podcast. And uh, I looked it up tonight. It is $31.13 to buy this DVD from Amazon. Wow. Right. So it is $1.95 to buy the VHS tape.
1: Guess which one we bought? Right, listeners. so we bought
0: the VHS tape and, and had to go down to Goodwill <laughs> to buy the uh, to
1: buy a VCR, a
0: VCR, because we did not have one. You probably don't have one either. So, um, you know, uh, I'll just say that this movie's out there for those who want to find it, and then that's all I'm going to say.
1: Yep. Well, coming up next, we'll break down The Boy in Blue. But first, one of the most artistic things we'll talk about uh, today. This is Patty Griffin singing the Rowing Song.
4: Cause I roll, roll, roll Going so slow, slow, slow Just down below me is the old sea Just down below me is the old sea Nobody knows, knows, knows So many things, things so so out of range Sometimes so strange Sometimes so sweet Sometimes so lonely The further I go More letters from home Never arrive And I'm alone All of the way
1: All of the way Alone and wide. Welcome back! Uh, for those of you just joining us, we are reviewing Nicolas Cage's The Boy in Blue. And
0: I've always got to point out, if you're, why are you just joining us now? Listen to the first part of the show, for Pete's sake. <laughs> Britt, what's your history with The Boy in Blue?
1: Again, nothing. Nothing at all. Never heard of it prior to our, our adventure here, and so going in blind. Yeah,
0: let's get into this. Uh, let's do a quick plot synopsis, and then we'll break it down. Go ahead.
1: Okay, The movie opens as Ned Hanlon, played by Nicholas Gage, is sculling, which apparently is a Canadian word for racing boats in a slow or boring manner. He wins the race despite sabotage. We soon learn that Ned is a bootlegger and gains his sculling skills by having to constantly keep ahead of the law. He's soon persuaded by a businessman named Billy to go to Philadelphia and compete in the Centennial Regatta, which he wins with the help of the most amazing invention ever conceived by Man or Beast a sliding seat.
0: Wearing an ever-present blue shirt, he continues his winning ways and eventually catches the eye of Colonel Knox, a rich, corrupt old man who wants to manage Ned himself. Ned quickly falls for Maggie, the Colonel's headstrong niece, who enjoys the attention but plays hard to get. He kisses her at a party, but she slaps him and sends him out of the house. He loses his next race because he's still drunk from a depression-fueled bender at the perceived loss of Maggie.
1: Ned returns to his bootleggery and is immediately thrown in prison. The colonel arranges his release. Maggie warms up to him a bit when he returns and begins training for the North American Championship. Ned buys Maggie a puppy that she names Rowboat, but that doesn't stop her from informing him of her engagement to a stuffed shirt from Harvard. His sweaty pecs glisten as he tells her he doesn't need her, he doesn't need anyone.
0: Ooh. (laughs) In Ned's next race, he's continuously agonized by the Australian Edward Trickett. So much so that Ned rams his boat and is subsequently disqualified from any North American rowing competition. He returns to Canada alone, but is greeted to a hero's welcome, which goes to show Canadians have little to be excited about. In an effort to reignite his career, he employs the help of Walter, the old codger who created the miraculous sliding seat that gave him such an edge in early races.
1: Walter compels the colonel, who now represents Trickett, to set up a race in London to decide once and for all the world championship. Maggie, in the meantime, discovers that her uncle is up to no good and flees to warn Ned, And like a moth drawn to a flame with chiseled 20-year-old abs, they end up making sweet, sweet love. After which, Maggie informs Ned that she enjoys being compromised by him.
0: She really does. The race is agreed to. Ned and Maggie get married. They go to London. And despite Billy's sabotage, Trickett's creepy mustache and some painfully long rowing scenes, Ned wins the race and goes on to a life of fame and fortune, at least in Canada.
1: And scene.
0: That's the boy in blue. Are we done?
1: Well, I think we should talk to the viewers a little bit about... They're not viewers. Oh, we should talk to the listeners a little bit about uh, The Boy in Blue. Okay. Although... Where where to begin? Start at the very beginning. little sound of music. Is that that from that? Uh Okay.
0: Can we just talk about sound of music instead of this movie? That'd be good, but no, Boy
1: in Blue it is. So, um, well, the first time we see Nicolas Cage, Ned, is actually in the opening credits. He's in a sculling race... And we're given to believe this is, what, the late 1800s, I believe.
0: I think so, like 1870s or something.
1: 1870s in Canada. So, Canadian rowboat race. And just stop and picture that. If you would... For a moment,
0: And it's not like sleek gliding boats, it's like rowboats. No, boats. it is rowboats. It's like your grandpa went fishing out in one of these things.
1: The folks on the docks cheering them on seem to be excited, but I can tell you that, you know, not the best opening of a film I've ever seen.
0: Well, we're told that, that this is before baseball or football or soccer, and this used to be exciting.
1: Used to be. Right. And I I just want to point out, we have nothing against competitive rowing no. as a sport. No. It's wonderful. It is exciting now. I've seen it in the Olympics. Now, that is a good show. If
0: you want to be bored, you have every right to be.
1: I'm just saying that you cannot really compare what we're going to talk about today with with competitive modern world. Sure. Okay. So, So, let's keep... That aside. Okay.
0: We've already spent too much time on this.
1: I think so. So, Ned, Nicolas Cage rowing in his boat, and he's good-looking. I mean, again, we, we've seen now in four films, I think any opportunity that he has to show off his body, he is taking, and as a as a, an active viewer, I can't say that I'm um, displeased with that. But Yeah, he looks good. Nice, chiseled, rock-hard body.
0: Nice. I know the feeling. Um, <laughs> every time I look in the mirror. This mystery man rams his boat, and Ned yells at him and still and, and loses his oar and ends up winning the race. yeah and it's all this big
1: it's some um, and it's like the opening do. credit I right. mean it's
0: supposed to be exciting it's so stinking boring uh, to me
1: yeah, but we do find out this guy who rammed him turns out to be Billy yeah because
0: he shows up at his his um, boathouse his boathouse which is really a bootleggery right I coined that term. Oh, what okay. else would it be known as?
1: A bootlegging operation, perhaps.
0: Yeah, where does that take place?
1: <laughs> at a bootleggery. Yeah, that's exactly you got right. It. So okay. Billy
0: shows up. He takes, you know, a liking is... to the whore on Cage's arm.
1: Well, and so, this is after the race. It's late at night. The, the bootleggery she's... is filled with people who are drinking in this nice, young, loose woman who is, you know...
0: Oh, she's got a heart of gold, but she's... she is. Out there.
1: She's out there. So we find out this guy's name is Billy. He's an American from Philadelphia, and he wants to manage Ned as a professional rower. Because he's
0: got natural talent.
1: Right. Natural natural talent, and, and he's the best he's ever seen, and wouldn't it be so great and they can make piles of money? And at this point, we're sort of figuring out that Ned is a bootlegger by trade, and he's getting out to go do a job, and not really taking Billy seriously. So Ned goes out. He Jesus, does his bootlegging job. Right.
0: He says he, no to Billy. Yeah. Billy stays back and bangs Hang, the Hangs with the hooker. hookers. So Ned goes out on his job. Um, the cops, and in a very weird turn, like a priest who's telling the cops what to do, like a, an angry mob shows up exactly where he lands to deliver this whiskey or whatever. Right. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. And, and it got, is, like, it's like a... They're there to get Frankenstein's monster <laughs> or something.
1: They, they are, but they're p- led pitch, by... Pitchforks led and porches. By a, they're led by a, like a A bony-faced... Repent ye sinner! It's it's (laughs) It's really...
0: It's pretty bad.
1: And then there's hijinks ensue. Hijinks
0: ensue. They try to get him. He's too fast. He knocks over the cop's boat.
1: And it's, you know, you think you're going to be hearing da-da-da-da-da-da in the background. You know. Right. So what happens? So he goes back to his bootleggery to bang a hooker. Nothing... I mean, as you can see, we're already off to such a riveting start. What more can we say?
0: So at this point, I want to say that if you listen to the first part of our show, uh, we said a lot of people have a background in television. And that rings true now. We didn't know that when we watched the movie at first. But this isn't any better production value-wise than a TV movie from 1986. It's just not. um, It doesn't look particularly good. It doesn't sound particularly good. A lot of the lines you can tell have been dubbed in later, at a later time, because they didn't get good sound the first time. It's it's pretty shoddy, even for Canada, which is known for just shoddy everything.
1: And Cage... Except is... for Syrup. And Mounties.
0: Wait, Syrup is from Maine.
1: No, they have maple trees up there.
0: Okay, well then Syrup, I guess, and Mounties. Go ahead.
1: But Cage is supposed to be playing a Canadian. This whole thing is taking place... In Canada, you know uh, he doesn't absolutely. have a Canadian. He doesn't I'm have a at Canadian my notes accent. Here.
0: Not the not the slightest hint not, of an not accent. Not even trying.
1: He sounds not like trying.
0: Nick Cage. He sounds like a dopey. He sounds more Canadian than Valley Girl.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. Not, <laughs> he not even sound trying. Canadian then. No, either. no. So we're moving the plot along. Uh, Ned goes back from his foiled bootlegging delivery, chased down by the Frankenstein mob led by a I don't know prohibition. Reverend. Preacher. Preacher. Led by a Prohibition preacher. So. <laughs> and he goes back and what does he do? Anything a good old fashioned bootlegger would do? He screws a whore.
0: Screw whore. Screws and a whore. Screws a whore. Bootlegger. You know what? Nicolas Cage. He deserves it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He, right. He's worked hard rowing all he's day. A, he's
0: a rowing fool. And and it's Nicholas K. I mean, he's a he's a lady killer. We well established that. Yes. Throughout our yeah. podcast so far. And I'm sure long into the future.
1: So, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Nate. But listeners, come on. You know who you are. What always happens when you're screwing horse? The cops the show cops up. The cops show up. Isn't it always the case? The deputy
0: asks the lieutenant, should we let him finish? And the the preacher... The preacher who obviously runs the preacher who's obviously the, everyone's boss says, "Not
4: only is he a bootlegger, he's fornicating out of wedlock." Go up there, yeah, "Cordis interruptus."
0: <laughs> he doesn't say that, but you <laughs> might as well. Might as well. Um, and so, <laughs> so they so bust in. They and break up the, they good, break up good, the time. good time. She, you know, she she got she got hers in, but he's just left there, hurting.
1: Well, but not for long, because he got to get away from the cops. Well, he jumps. So, in, yeah, he
0: jumps in the he jumps in the water. Jumps from, like, out, jumps out the window. window and who's waiting the for him. Billy? Billy! Wow,
1: coincidental.
0: Uh, one more side note: mustaches in this movie everywhere.
1: Everywhere mustaches. Everywhere. Good thick bristled mustaches. That's right. It could be a drinking game about mustaches.
0: Oh, I hope not. People would be dying in droves <laughs> if anyone ever watched this movie, Listeners, which, which if, they do not. if you
1: can come up with a good mustache-related drinking game for this movie, please let us know. All right. So Waiting vi- for Ned. Yes. What a coincidence.
0: Yes. I was. I remember even asking, how in the world would he be there? That doesn't make any sense at all. So they row away, and they get to a ferry boat that just happens to be passing it's by. A right, it's a steamboat. Right, exactly. And Ned um, quickly finds out what uh what billy's really up to
3: you Bill rat you set the law on me oh, no, no, no. back in the water no, no. Bill rat i'm fine i'm fine no, 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 no. it's a hell of a way to treat your new partner oh come on you're just lucky this boat went by. lucky it was planned to the minute all that hanky panky of yours is what damn near buggered the <laughs> works can't imagine what she sees in you anyway oh really same thing you saw natural ability <laughs>
1: So, right, so you just heard Billy's rigged the whole setup, called the cops, interrupted his good time so that he could get Ned to the States. His to, hanky-panky. So that he can get Ned to the States to compete in this Centennial Regatta. Because right, exactly. He's no, got, get him to Philly. Get him to, get him to Philly. Home of the cream cheese. And good bells. And sandwiches. And eagles. Stop! Stop us, somebody. <laughs>
0: all right. So they get to this regatta, and it's um, and it's, it's a centennial, so it's got to be eighteen seventy six. It is. Right. Indeed. And so Ned is like a kid in some kind of store. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: <laughs> He's like running around and so, jumping well, up periscopes, like boop
1: boop 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 boop. boop. So well, first of all, <laughs> He's just I want like a giddy. I want to point out he leaves Can- Canada. He leaves the land of the North, literally shirtless. We go from this shirtless bootlegger Ned to this dandy basically Hold on who, I, need, I need
0: more wine hold on keep talking
1: Who is mm. Yeah, just like Nate said, like there's a some kind of circus parade or carnival going on. I think must be to celebrate the boat race and he is practically bounding from sight to sight.
3: Well,
0: you can he's never seen anything like this and it's just uh, you don't know what to make of this guy because at one point he's a man banging a hooker you know, that's so rude, uh, making love to a hooker, <laughs> and and then he's like this little eight-year-old running around these uh you know kaleidoscopic carnival games, and so it's it's really kind of a funny uh, juxtaposition there. They get there. Billy thought he was gonna have a boat for Ned. He doesn't. They run into a you know street a street urchin. Coincidentally, you know, might as again. well have been.
1: Please, say I want some more.
0: Kind of, kind of kid. But instead, kid. it's. I know where you can find a boat. I know where you can get you a boat. You're just going to have to give me one of them there cigarettes.
1: It'll cost you a dollar. And a dollar, mister. Yeah. The, apparently this 10-year-old's lived a lot of life.
0: They bring him to this, this this shed, this well-lit barn, where there's this picturesque, I don't know, sculling boat. What are they called? The boats. Shells. A shell. Sculling shell. And this and this thing, it's there's almost uh, an angelic light being shown on it. And the big deal with this is that the seat slides. Whoa. And we're showing a scene before this where all the our, all the Harvard boys are getting their their butts wiped Gre- down with grease. Grease.
1: Now we know historically. <laughs> well, we know
0: Harvard boys anyway. <laughs> this we still know, happens, but we
1: know that that just, until the invention of this sliding seat this is how it was done but man alive the
3: the seats were closed slides boys slides slides like butter I invented her she'll give you 40 yards on a mile easy and all them Harvard boys with grease on their backsides won't give it a chance laugh at me just like him look at him Thinks I'm queer
1: in the attic. We also meet Walter for the first time, who we will meet several times. He's like the Canadian version of the
0: old prospector that says,
1: Jack, all the time. Yes, but he's going to make a fortune on his laden seat. I'm going to make a fortune, but those hobbit boys think I'm queer in the attic. <laughs> Does he actually say that?
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's on my clip, so Natalia <laughs> we'll will cut this out. <laughs> Go ahead. So we Any- meet Walter, but we already will hear him on the clip.
1: We meet Walter. You've just heard him talk about his seat and other things besides, and what happens? We get the boat in the water, and Ned falls in the water. Boop, 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 boop. Right? Boop, boop. More hijinks! More hijinks! All the Harvard boys looking on. His pretty fancy pants suit all soaking wet. How is he going to row this thing? Apparently, they they must have gone down for the regatta a few days before because we have some scenes of him rowing in the. In the early morning dusk. In the frisculating L- dusk light. Learning learning to use this yes. magical seat. This is
0: also where we're introduced to the Colonel, Colonel Knox.
1: Oh yeah, he was one of the betters at the regatta. He's right. he's betting on uh, the, what, other what, guy. the other guy. Can't yeah. remember his the other name. Guy. No, but it doesn't matter. The anyway. Guy.
0: So Colonel Knox is played by Christopher Plummer, who actually is an actor and does a fine job in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think he for I would what say with what he's been given? He's the best actor in this movie. In this movie,
1: yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll get to th- our ratings, but but suffice to say, this is not a bright, shining moment on Cage's resume.
0: So um, obviously, you can tell that the Colonel is able because he's white. Um, he has a mustache. He's rich.
1: He smokes a lot, like a cigars. cigars. yes, like cigars.
0: Um, did I mention he's rich? He owns land and he's rich and he's rich. so he's a bad guy um and he oh he's a gambler he's a he's a degenerate and we established early on that he's uh, up to no good
1: ned gets on the water he's wearing his baby blue racing shirt
0: i think it's the cheapest one that billy could find
1: probably he wins the race in a sliding seat shows all those harvard boys they don't know nothing about no sliding seat
0: i want to say about these racing scenes okay now I love in these racing scenes when they cut back to the crowd on the shore. Now it's on the shore, so it's not like you've got this person on an on an earpiece. Now like it's NASCAR. No, they, they're yelling and they're saying things like, <laughs> "I wrote these down. Yeah, that's good." <laughs> and show them your stuff and row. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess
1: what would you say? But really, I know it's really. Uh, and you're, who are you saying it to or for? And then you cut, they cut from these frenzied crowd moments. To life on the water is relatively calm. I mean, it doesn't really look like. It's not relatively calm. It's downright boring. It, it doesn't really look like they're they're fighting that hard. Right. I mean, especially Ned. He just sort of looks like he's out for a morning row. Yeah.
0: It's not like they're he's going really bust, fast. Like these not, Olympic trials that we see now, yeah, where they're just like stroke, stroke to the wall. Stroke. This is it's the like, centennial regatta. You know, leisurely at his own pace. Once in a while, he might think about rowing. The and yet boat.
1: somehow he wins how
0: we would we don't know because they don't show us that race they cut away because they think he's going to do so poorly
1: oh right but he does end up winning you find out at the end you find out at the end and the colonel is pissed because nobody knows who this ned hanlon is so nobody gambles on so, him
0: so we're right in a sense he hasn't won the race yet he won the the semi Oh, the qualifying heat. And so we see them at a bar after this, and everyone's there, and Christopher Plummer's there with his evil-looking, couldn't-look-more-evil henchman with the mustaches, and they're trying to knock him out. Not subtly, just like, we're going to send him over a beer that's drugged.
1: And he doesn't, Ned doesn't drink the beer because his.
0: Because, no. Old, co-
1: old codger Walter says, you gotta race in the morning, boy.
0: So, who does drink the beer is this horrible Canadian journalist whose only claim to fame, apparently, is that he dubbed Ned the boy in blue.
3: Wow. Tell me, how does it feel to be carrying your country's banner against a ma- They're not reading about me back home, are they? Absolutely. <laughs> You're front page news. Yeah. I've even given you a nickname. Yeah? The Blue flash? Uh uh. The boy in blue. That makes me sound like some kind of a fancy boy.
1: So after Colonel Knox's henchmen are foiled in the bar, because the journalist drinks the beer, they go after Ned and Billy in the alley, which... Uh, Another hooker? They're only foiled by Billy appearing to be in the throes of passionate love with another hooker and Ned hiding under her skirts.
0: Billy's pants were down, and Ned was underneath her, her, her... Buttress.
1: Right. We don't want to know.
0: So they get out and they think they're home free, and then they get caught again, and they actually catch up to them and break
1: Billy's arm. Billy's arm, because Billy tells them he's Ned.
0: Right. So at this point, you're thinking this Billy guy is okay, and I think Billy even enjoys the friendship with Ned at this point. Yeah, I think. I don't think he's a bad guy. No. I think he's just kind of easily swayed, as we'll come to find out.
1: So, let's see. What happens? Ned ends up going to the regatta because he doesn't have a broken arm.
0: Right. He wins. He wins. Whoop dee doo These racing scenes could not take place at a slower pace. It is just the opposite of exciting to watch this. I don't know how you felt about it, Brooke. I
1: Oh, I agree. It's it,
0: just like pulling teeth watching these scenes.
1: So, he wins the race. He goes back to Canada even though he's still a wanted bootlegger there and is cheered by the crowd in his dandy suit he's the boy in blue their hometown hero he's greeted by his his one-time flame the hooker what's her name Dulcie Dulcie all right then he is uh, approached by Colonel Knox and at this point Colonel Knox is clearly you know Wants to manage him, but not necessarily for Ned's own advantage or gain. Right.
0: Basically, with these guys, there's this whole group of wagering old men who flagrantly manage one person and then bet either for him or against him, depending on what mood strikes them.
1: Right. What's going to make them the most money. Right. And Ned's looking like a promising investment. So Absolutely. They go out to his stables, see him, and meet Maggie.
0: Yes, who Ned sees as a promising investment.
1: Yes, and so we meet her for the first time and sort of see that she is... She's
0: uppity, I'll tell you that right now, Britt. Yes, she's
1: the the colonel's niece.
0: She's not a woman of the 1870s, she doesn't know her place. She speaks her mind, (laughs) she talks down to the menfolk.
1: But she is a woman of honor. She is. She will not be engaged. She's chased. Yes, inappropriately. So, anyway, there, they're, you know, it, it comes out that Colonel Knox wants to manage Ned, but Billy's still in the picture. Who cares? I have to say, there's just no emotional investment in these characters. I mean, Not yet. There's no real, you can't, I, I don't care. I don't care what happens to Billy or to Ned at this point. He obviously, Ned obviously has eyes for Maggie, who... You know, goes rowing with him, but brings a chaperone. Okay, no, no, no. Let me just. I mean, let's come break. On.
0: Let's break this down a little bit. Why don't we care?
1: I don't. Well, for one, Ned is ridiculous. He's a ridiculous character. He doesn't. He's goofy. He's stereotypical. The oh, he's very badly written. For one, I and, mean, come on. He's um, just some of the lines that he has to say. I mean, there's one point where where he's talking to Billy about banging the whore, and I believe he Making love to the whore. Making love to the whore. And I believe he actually says something like, She likes me for my natural abilities, same as you. And you're just like...
0: Ultimately, we don't care what's happening here, because this movie is just misfiring on every level. Bad writing, bad acting, even from Nicolas Cage, usually if a movie is bad but the star is good... I'm willing to give it a pretty big pass and, and see where the story is going. At this point, I am just, I'm kind of in shock watching this movie because we, we haven't seen our boy Nick Cage put in a bad performance until now. And I leaned over and asked Britt, what happened? We, we just saw him in Birdie. I know. And he was as good as any actor I've ever seen, frankly. And, and here, it's, it's laughable.
1: It is, and you know the story. I don't. There's no risk. There's no sense of danger or urgency. The story is boring. No, why do we care about Ned Hanlon? What What is intriguing about this character story that it has to be told in film? I mean, at at one point, you're told that he could, if he gets caught by the police, he goes to jail for a year. Big whoop. Who cares? His rowing career is down the toilet. He still has his bootlegging work to fall back on, which you can tell, at least initially in the movie, he seems to prefer. So, right. and- you know, he he loses his rowing career. So what? Big deal. He can go back to... To bootlegging and and screwing horse sounds like a pretty good life. I mean, making
0: love to horse,
1: making love to horse. So but, you know, yeah, there's just there's agree, nothing to right? lose. There's, there's no you know there's, nothing there's no on the stakes.
0: Line. Stakes. The film spotting stakes. That's what they always talk about on that show. And there's nothing really that we're invested in. I we don't care about rowing. They don't make us care about rowing. No. The acting is bad. The writing is bad. The direction is.
1: Is there direction? Perfunctory.
0: I don't even know what that means, but I'm sure it's accurate. <laughs> and So that's why I hope, as a listener, you understand that a lot of times we take a little bit more care in these reviews, but there's really nothing here in this yeah. movie. He's at this party, and all the Harvard guys are there, and they say something like he doesn't bathe, and so he punches one of them. And, of course. Right, and he gets in a fight with Maggie and kisses her, and she loves it.
1: She does love but it, she but can't she's, say she she's it. scared. She's, she's scared of how she feels. Are you
0: scared of how you feel about me, Maggie? Yeah. And she kicks him out, and he... What does Nicolas Cage do in every movie where he's sad?
1: Oh, anytime he's dissed by a girl, he gets drunk. He,
0: so he gets drunk. So he's, he's laying, he, uh, Billy finds him laying on a pier somewhere.
1: Before a race the next day. Before a
0: race the next day. He
1: can't stand...
0: You know, I will say there is one kind of neat thing about his next race, and it's because Ned is so good and so dominant that every other competitor puts their money on Ned to win. Right. And he's so drunk, he can't run a straight line, and he's super slow, and he's obviously going to lose but progressively every other racer like fakes a cramp
1: or well, just one guy just, just falls off his boat just no he his just boat. he just leans over and falls into the water a, then none of them want to win because they're going to lose all their money so i
0: think they like cancel the race and it's this big disgrace but i would say that put a smile on my face yeah yeah okay
1: and it's so basically you know you think oh ned's career is washed up he goes back to canada where because it, he still is Refusing to be managed by Colonel Knox, so he, he goes, goes
0: back to his his his, um, his bootlegery. He
1: goes back to the bootlegery. What happens there? He gets ambushed by cops. By
0: the by the yeah the cops. By the cops, he gets ambushed by Canada. the cops
1: and sent to jail. Where Billy comes to to visit him and says, "You just you gotta go with Colonel Knox. I, he's better at managing you. He can get you out of this mess. I can't." You'll rot in jail for the next year. Your rowing career will be over. It's, you know, very intense.
0: It doesn't take much. He goes, and so the colonel gets him out of jail. They're signing contracts. Maggie's Um, there. She tells him not to sign the contract and see a a lawyer. Who cares? I don't care. I have a bad attitude. I'm sorry.
1: Well, it's just, again, it's more evidence that this film is not well made, and there's no investment, and we're a good... You know, I'd say halfway through at this point the film and there's no there's no interest. You could turn it off and never blink an eye and think about Ned Hanlon again. But had right. Cage Cast were paid to watch these films for you listeners, so we did not you turn know, it for, off.
0: For twenty thousand bucks a movie, we can't say no. Right. You know, we just can't from the I mean, those checks keep on rolling in from the podcasting association of America and we just can't
1: We can't turn turn off. And we owe it
0: to you guys too. Yeah, for all the money. Yeah.
1: So, what follows is sort of your predictable training sequence. He gets a trainer. I the will say he, tough as nails. The,
0: this trainer is um, basically the Lucky Charms Leprechaun.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. So let's give you a listen. There ain't no secret
2: to it. It's just train, train, train. This is my boy. You may think you're the Blue Flash, but as far as I'm concerned, you're just a peffle in the wind. Now, it's great to have a natural talent but there's a world of bloody difference between Rowan to escape the police and rowing like a champion in competition. I only won the biggest. You battalion. won because you propped your backside down on a seat that gave you 50 yards on the bloody field. Well, now <laughs> everyone's going to have one of them sliders and they're going to blow your loafers oars off. <laughs> so unless you train, unless you bust your bloody gut, unless you put your mind on Rowan and nothing else, you'll never win another bloody race.
1: So we got a tough as nails, Lucky Charms Eaton Trainer. Puts him through his paces. Lots of scenes of Ned rowing on the lake or on the rowing machine. Lots of glistening, sweaty pectorals. There is a montage. Yes. There is a, a terrible montage. A, a Karate
0: Kid-esque montage. Well, except for the trumpet solo.
1: Yeah. Yes, terrible, terrible montage music, not even good. And and Ned takes to wearing a, a headband. Much
0: like the Karate Kid, Much. same kind of times the Karate Kid yes. as well.
1: so headbands must have been in. Uh, but yeah, it's just a lot of, you know, he's winning races and winning, you know, but it, uh, it's just, no, who cares? He's training, it's, it's everything you'd expect from a, a typical scene, a typical montage of training and racing and and glistening sweatiness.
0: So what happens next is just priceless. So Nick, sorry, Ned Hanlon, he's still pining after Maggie.
1: And we don't really, I mean, why? She's not cute. She's not. a. She's not cute, listeners.
0: Britt was threatened by cute by this woman in this movie. I know that I'm not threatened by Nicolas Cage. I I have a mirror. I see what I look like. So I can, you know, feel okay with myself. Britt. Obviously, you know this. There's another woman here. I'm watching, so she gets a little threatened. It's okay. It's okay. We're strong enough in our in our bond. But what happens is Nick. She's not cute. With her. Nick, Ned Hanlon buys this girl a puppy. She terrible, run, terrible she, name. She runs up to him, all happy, and thank you for the dog. I named him Rowboat, and he is Britt. Set the stage.
1: Well, so he's in the middle of working out. He's in the middle of training. Yes, on he's in the horse a, stables. A, like a, a plank of wood. A manger. He's literally laying in the middle of the stables doing... <laughs> in a
0: Christ-esque... <laughs>
1: doing sit-ups. Okay, so
0: because he's glistening. Because as rich
1: as Colonel Knox is, can't afford a proper right. training so facility. He's,
0: Yes, he's glistening in his blue Karate Kid headband and his uh, gray Capri sweatpants. Yeah. And she runs up and so excited. Tells him, thank you for this dog... And he says, "Oh, no problem. Why don't you come with me to this
1: big race? Big race? This North American Championship." And
0: what happens next, folks? And we have to share it with you now. Is definitely the scene that got them noticed for the glitzy. No, what's the uh, Canadian Oscar? The genie. The genie. Because this is, I dare say, Nick Cage's lowest moment so far here on CageCast.
3: Two, three. It's fun. Ugh. I'm going to call him rowboat. Ah, So, do you like him?
2: I love him. Thank you.
3: Cost me 20 bucks. He's a purebred.
2: You're not supposed to tell me
3: that. Oh, right. Well, didn't cost me a dime. Found him being kicked in the street.
2: Well, I, I guess I should let you get back to your training. Thanks again for Roboat.
3: Won't you come with us?
2: I can't. Besides, I'm not invited.
3: I'm inviting you. With you there, I can't lose.
2: Ned. When my uncle was trying to convince you to join his business enterprises, he said that it would help him if I could be nice to you.
3: Well, I had that figured. I'm not as dumb as you think. Look, Maggie, I don't care about what you did. God, I've done lots worse than that sober. All I care about is how you feel now. All I've been able to think about is you, wondering every day if I could ever see you again, if I could ever, I don't know, mean something to
2: you. You do mean something to me, Ned.
3: Really? Yes. Hey, I'm not so bad, you know. I'm kind of reformed. I don't get drunk anymore, see how much things cost. At least not often, anyways. Maggie, what's wrong? I love you, really. More than...
2: No. Don't, Ed. I'm engaged. I'm gonna be married.
3: Do you love him? Do you love him? Then why in hell did you agree to leave me on?
2: It would give you support if I was friendly. That you needed somebody to...
3: No, no. He was wrong. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. I need you,
0: I will tell you the bright and shining star of this movie. It's Nicolas Cage's body. Yes, this kid. Oh my! You know, I, this is why he took this role, so he could finally get
1: realize his dream. Well, of-
0: I mean, he's kind of been working more and more and more. Yes. Every movie we've seen him be a little bit progressively more. Built and in this movie he's got training scenes and montages and you can tell he's actually doing the rowing and you could tell he he had to put in a lot of work and training to be in this movie and he is he's he's chiseled ladies and some gentlemen <laughs> he is he looks good a Greek. Uh, God. The
1: body plays its own necessary role for keeping. So this we're movie gonna alive. put a
0: picture of Nick Cage's abs. Kind of a, a, a recurring theme, apparently, for our web page. We're gonna put a picture of Nick Cage's abs up on the site for you to check out. So They're please priceless. go there, leave comments, do whatever. But uh, that's the, the bright and shining part of this movie. Definitely is Nick Cage's abs.
1: He goes out heartbroken. Nothing's going to cheer him up. Nothing's going to inspire him to win this race except his two good friends from Canada, Billy and Dulcie.
3: Hello, Mr. Hammond. (laughs) Dulcie? Hi! (laughs) You look great! You look gorgeous! Hey, Hey, hey! That's not on your training program. Billy! You two got no idea. You got no idea how glad I am to see you. I mean, you got no idea. I think he's
1: glad to see us. So we're at the North American Championship race, and Ned is down in the dumps. What's he going to do?
0: He's got to beat somebody with a rapist mustache.
1: Yes, his competitor.
0: <laughs> and I don't know of that a better is way to one... describe this mustache. I'm not trying to be anything, but... It is but
1: fantastic. I can't think of a, a better description. It is a solid wall of hair adorning this man's upper lip like a, all the a way... A Caterpillar. It's a work of art, truly. Give
0: Burt Reynolds a... A run for its money. It
1: would. Some mustache man. Trickett, I believe, is his name. So Ned's training for this race. He's depressed. What's he going to do? Billy was sent there by Knox
0: to sabotage the Tri- mustache's boat. I just want to keep on moving this along here. Uh, Ned finds out that this Trickett guy's boat has been sabotaged. He, you know... He hates that. He's like, I'm going to win fair and square if I'm going to win it all. Blah, 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 blah. So he has a falling out with Billy and he goes and fixes this guy's boat.
1: And then basically ends up sort of getting psyched out on the water. Right. This Australian
0: is just trash talking him the whole time.
1: Yeah. And now he's. Hey, you don't know how to row. Yeah, that's about right. Blimey. You know, more depressed than ever. Because Billy turned out to be false friend, and Maggie doesn't love him, and so he just, yeah, he just. I'm
4: all alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, he just sort of destroys the mustache bow. Oh, and, you can't row. You stink. I, oh, I'm from Australia.
0: <laughs> oh, I have him. Okay, keep, yes.
1: So, so anyway, the race ends. King he, no,
0: he rams the boat. He rams, he rams the boat, this Australian guy's
1: boat, which is. Apparently, the worst thing you could possibly do. Apparently,
0: it's worse than killing his mother. Is is hitting his boat with yours. He
1: is subsequently banned, banned. for life. For life. For, for how long? Life. For life. For competitively rowing. For competitively
0: rowing in, rowing in uh, North America. North America, and no one's happy about this.
1: No. So he goes back to Canada. He's dropped by Knox.
0: He's depressed, obviously. No one wants him. No one wants him. Uh, The the only place he can think of to go is is this Walter guy who is the old codger who created the miraculous sliding seat. And he wants this Walter guy who we've never really been established what his past is. You know, you got to assume he's this great trainer from years past. But, I mean, we're seeing, you know, but he basically comes back, you know, on his hands and knees and says, please train me. And Ned Hamlin comes up with this great idea that I can't row in America, but maybe I could row not in America. Right. <laughs> right? He's going
1: he's to go to the world championship race in London and row the Thames. And that's where... The final showdown will take place. No band in the world would stop me, then. So first, we have to get Walter to get convinced to train him, which is pretty easy, right, as we he's, see. he's he's
0: had natural talent, but he's never really had the the fire.
1: So Walter agrees. We have another boring, obnoxious training montage. So he goes. He trains. Walter goes to Colonel Knox, who is now representing Mustache Trickett. And convinces him to row at the Thames, and wouldn't that be something? I'll wager the patent to my sliding seat against your famous Australian rower. And in here is this in this whole scene, the only really thing other than Knox and Walter agreeing to this big race is we see Maggie again, and it's two days before her wedding, and this is a great scene. This we, is,
0: you know what we see, Cage Rage.
1: We do, I, we do. Will be the one, one rage one inspired, moment. By,
0: inspired by love,
1: oh, which is the the best, which is kind. the truest rage of all. It is, it is. So, so Ned rages against Maggie and against her fiance. And here's a
0: little, here's a little taste of that.
1: <laughs> no,
3: no, no! Do not marry this man. My fiance has <laughs> no
0: oh, Please, Maggie, know. listen Get to away. me. Get away Oh,
2: my oh, Ned, are you all right?
3: Don't marry him, Maggie. I'm the one who loves you, me, not him. Damn you! Don't do it, Maggie. He's a wet goose. Takes two hours to get dressed in the morning. He'd bore you silly. He's going bald, Maggie. He uses Dr. Morse's hair promoter. Bald and boring. Uh. Stop it! What's the matter, Maggie? You afraid? I love you, Maggie. Drive on. I love you.
1: Maggie, I love you. So now we're headed to London, and Maggie's gone. We know this to be true, but is she really? And Maggie overhears her uncle talking smack about the race and how I don't know something shady's going to go down. And of course, she has to rush over to Ned's bootleggery.
0: which is like we've never been given the impression that that's close.
1: No, isn't we? I, I, I
0: thought she as, was American.
1: Yeah, I me thought, too.
0: So like she lived in Philadelphia and basically she gets in a boat and like rows away like hundreds of miles.
1: There's no conceivable reason why she should be able to row from her uncle's house to to Canada. But she does. Right. Apparently, so she's very... a, she's really the secret rowing weapon of <laughs> the family.
0: <laughs> so it's very confusing and um she basically breaks in to his his broken down shack of a place. To w- Wakes him up and says, my uncle's up to no good. Well, no shit, lady. <laughs> what do you think? Right, I mean, but I'll she like, doesn't
1: know anything other than that. Right,
0: I have no details. I just came here to say that my uncle's a bad guy and he's trying to trick somebody about something. And then she goes to leave. But then, oh my. Then. But then, she's uh, she's compromised.
1: Yeah. So It doesn't take this- much
0: either, ladies and gentlemen.
1: No, it doesn't. So here's this character who is prim and proper, and won't even let her kiss him. And within thirty seconds, she's naked.
0: Right, because he he rips her shirt open gently, he does. but he does. He does. And, he rips and it if, open. And if life and movies have taught me anything, the ladies love that. Guys, write this down: rip her shirt <laughs> open, and she's yours. Apparently, right?
1: Because here R- yes. again, shirt ripping and boobs. More boobs.
0: I mean, I wouldn't even. This thing is rated R. I can't believe it's rated R. And I will tell you one thing: Racing with the Moon had far more objectionable content than this movie. Well, but there's the boobs. But there was boobs in Racing with the Moon. Yeah, there. And that was PG. And it was PG. And that was in this era. Come on, eighties. Come on, eighties. Be
1: consistent. Come on, Canada. Come you on, know, you, Canada! Right?
0: You know why? You know why this movie?
1: Because that's the only thing we have to look forward to.
0: Right? Well, let's be <laughs> let's not say that. Um, no, what I'm saying is, obviously, this stuff is exciting in Canada, but we're in America, where things happen and life is lived. <laughs> the greatest nation in the world. <laughs> and to our Canadian listeners, I'm sorry. Or, I should say listener. I'm sure there might be one someday. I'm sorry. Second best is gonna have to be good enough, and if this is what passes for entertainment in your country, I don't need that passport.
1: We're such a, a ethnocentrically diverse group here at Cage. Cast Obviously, I'm Utah. kidding, Canada. Anyway, you're
0: still number two, but I'm kidding about the rest of it.
1: Anyway, so Maggie gets compromised by Ned, and you know what? She likes it. And well, now I know what it's like.
0: What?
2: To be compromised. <laughs> <laughs> Would you do me a favor? Yeah.
1: Compromise me again.
3: Hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she wants him to compromise her again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she does. She does. All right.
1: Excellent scene. Oh, but not the first before her uncle walks in.
0: Like pops up from the trap door in the floor Oh, and hello basically there. offers him $10,000 to what? Throw to, the, to throw to throw the, the
1: race. race. Maggie has to scramble behind a dresser. Whoo, it's so Oh my goodness, I could be found out and no one would care. You know what?
0: I say I say this a lot, but in this movie hijinks ensue a lot. Like yeah. goofy music plays and it's this like whimsical little Oops. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. anyway it's it's pretty bad it's, it's pretty bad juvenile in this movie it just it keeps on going in this vein he basically there's no reason for this scene to be here he returns the money right away um
1: well, though no, he takes the money, and then you cut to a wedding chapel, and who's walking out of it but a newly married Ned and Maggie? Because
0: that's what you do, Brett.
1: But there's no conceivable reason. That's,
0: well, it's... We don't...
1: All right, Which is let's, ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous uh, it's,
0: What's ridiculous, really, is that we've spent this long talking about this uh, movie. So we go to England. Everyone's there.
1: And by everyone, can I just say, this world championship race to determine it all... It's two people.
0: Right, it's two people. It's two
1: people. There's no qualifying round.
0: We don't see it. At
1: there least. are no other racers. How do we know that these are the two and best in the world? We're just told. We're just told. Trickett is the best. You know, and, and just yeah, it's, it's, exactly. It's, it's lunacy. It's, it's sheer lunacy. lunacy.
0: More lunacy is when uh, Ned goes in to get his boat right before the race starts and sees Billy like dangerously or connivingly like leaning over his boat and doesn't think, hey, this is the Billy that I know sabotages boats. He just and picks up his boat and walks out. Obviously, Billy has sabotaged his boat, his oar hook thingy. He goes out, and the race starts, and he's doing very well, but quickly discovers his oar ring thingy is loose. Uh-oh! He tries to, like, tighten it himself, but obviously he's not going to win the race if his oar ring thingy is loose.
1: What's going to happen?
0: He basically A- breaks down, you know, and, and admits that he's going to lose this race. Let's get through this boats are following these two rowers as they're, as they're going. Billy feels bad about hijacking his quote-unquote friend's boat. Not hijacking, but sabotaging. sabotaging his friend's boat. He grabs a wrench and like jumps in the water and swims out to him and gives him the wrench. He fixes the boat, and even though he's behind to the best sculler in the world by three minutes or whatever it is, he catches up And there's a lot of slow, slow, slow action that happens until finally, at the very end, through gritted teeth and a constipated look on his face, Ned
1: wins the race. Not exciting at all. So he wins. Whoop-dee-doo. We all, who saw that coming? Not me, that's for sure. Wow, everyone's big time. kind of
0: and, and you know, and then this is basically the end of the movie, There's or so a, we think well, I mean, so we think like everyone's kind of even the old Colonel Knox kind of like tips his hat to them as they're going off into the dark night, they're all gonna just go party and and head off, you know, and I don't know, you know celebrate their world championship victory, and
1: right as we think the movie should end.
0: These two guys come up. And who are they from? They're Colonel Knox's thugs. They're Colonel Knox's thugs. They're to beat up Billy.
1: For helping Ned at the end of the For helping Ned, which
0: I guess, yeah, you'd have to beat him up for that. And I mean, we talk about the end of movies. Like last week, we talked about the end of Birdie and how brilliant it was. And this movie ends with uh, Ned coming back to Billy's side and they kind of... They have a little bit of playful banter. They put up their fists, take a step forward, and freeze frame.
1: Oh, terrible. It's <laughs> the end of the movie. It is. It's so bad. The end of the movie is not, oh, big, <laughs> it's so big, horrible. exciting, championship cup, let's... Let's bask in this. It is two guys getting ready to get their asses kicked.
0: Oh, and then and then superimposed. Ned Hanlon went on to win over two hundred consecutive races, blah 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 blah. If you're a Canadian you've heard of him and no one else cares. And yeah. that's that's the boy in blue.
1: So, listeners...
0: You know, you know, and I need to apologize for my disrespectful behavior to Canada and to this movie. A lot of people worked really hard to make this movie, and for that I applaud you. Getting a movie in theaters is not an easy thing. However, this was not good. And if anyone out there wants to buy a version of this movie on VHS, I have a gently used copy available for 194 that will be on Amazon in about half an hour.
1: Coming up next, we give our ratings, entertainment, artistic, and Cage's performance. We'll give you our total points and place The Boy in Blue in the ranking of Cage movies.
0: But first, one of my favorite songs of all time. This is Johnny Cash performing "Rowboat."
4: Rowboat, row me to the shore. She don't want to be my friend no more She dug a hole in the bottom of my soul She don't want to be my friend no more Pick me up Give me some food too in your truck going no place I'll be home talking to nobody You'll be strange You'll be far away
1: Welcome back. We just finished reviewing 1986's The Boy in Blue, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, it was painful, to yes, say the least. I was I was pained. But we are not one to be deterred by pain, so we will finish this out with our ratings.
0: Entertainment. Britt, zero to four, what do you rank this movie? One. I also give it a 1.
1: At best. Yeah. At best. It's
0: boring. It's plotting. It's only 90 minutes, and it felt like an eternity. Yes. Not entertaining at all. Other than a few notable scenes, this movie has nothing to offer on the entertainment scale.
1: Completely agree. I'd say the only reason I didn't rank it a 0 is that there are some laughable moments that may or may not have intended to get a laugh out of the audience, but I found them.
0: There was a few scenes, Goofily but other than that, it's not worth your time. How about on an artistic level?
1: Point 0.5.
0: Wow, really?
1: Nothing there. Yeah, I mean, this is supposed to be a period piece, but it feels more like a joke. It was shoddily done. I, I think there was no artistic merit whatsoever. Okay, well, I, you
0: know, I see what you're saying. I mean, obviously, we've seen this this formula before, most notably in Rocky in the 70s, done very, very well for a very low budget. Um, I would give this a 1.5 on the artistic scale, not uh, middle-of-the-road two. But, you know, the direction isn't piss-poor. The camera doesn't shake, I guess, and the framing isn't so bad. And at least it was over in 90 minutes. You know, it wasn't... I've seen some really bad movies as far as direction goes and as far as, like, an artistic level. And this isn't that. It's, it's just so boring that I, I can't give it anything more than a, than a below average 1.5. And I'd, that's being generous.
1: I'd say that if your reasoning behind rating a movie is the camera didn't shake, you're looking at a pretty All bad right. movie.
0: Well, 1.5 is by far the lowest score I've given in this category.
1: All right, how about Cage's performance?
0: This, now you know how I feel about this guy. Nick Cage is my homeboy, and it pains me to give him a one, but he deserves it. I don't know what happened to you, Nick. Uh, I know you're coming back with a vengeance real quick, but this is painful, and I hope someone reminds you of this someday, and I hope someday when you get to the pearly gates, uh, God doesn't hold this one against you because he'd be in his rights to do that.
1: Wow, those are intense words.
0: The performance is intensely horrible. <laughs> he's just—he's just without emotion and without charm and without uh, nuance, and it's just not the same guy that we're used to seeing in the in the previous movies. And it, I know for a fact it's not the guy we're going to see going forward. So, what did you give him, Brett?
1: Also a one. Okay. Terrible. Wow.
0: Nothing, nothing. And I think one of the the hardest things about this is we know how good he can be, and so that's what makes it even more depressing. By far our worst movie of this Cage Cast series, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be down there at the bottom for a long time to come. I would agree. Until maybe Drive Angry 3D, which I haven't seen, but I can't imagine being worse than this.
1: Yeah, I would agree. So... All right, well, uh, finally, to round out our review of The Boy in Blue, we have our newly patented CageCast Running Totals Rapid Fire Questionnaire.
0: All right, let me <clears throat> work myself up for this. I'm uh, The energy's coming back. I'm good. Sorry.
1: Ready, Nate? I'm ready. In The Boy in Blue, is Nicolas Cage a lady killer?
0: Yes, he loves some ladies.
1: Is he drunk or high?
0: Very, very drunk. A lot.
1: Does he have crazy hair?
0: You know, I'm sad to say, no, he does not have crazy hair.
1: Crazy voice, accent, or inflection.
0: You know, not at all, and he should because he's supposed to be Canadian. And the irony is, he doesn't.
1: Does he have cage rage?
0: Yes, good cage rage. Love-induced cage rage.
1: Does he punch or get punched?
0: Yes, he punches. And that makes every movie so far, he has punched or gotten punched. A noteworthy statistic.
1: Finally does he run with a flashlight
0: no no flashlight running here but uh i am holding out hope
1: i agree well folks that was our review of the boy in blue uh we'd love to get your feedback on this movie yes
0: please send feedback
1: yes if you feel that we are grossly uh overlooking some artistic plot point that yes this is your favorite movie for you this
0: is your mother's favorite movie
1: let us know. What are we missing? Send us send us uh, send us an email. You can do send that to feedback at cagecast.com. You can also send us a voicemail by dialing eighty six cagecast or send us an MP three of your review and we'll try to get you on the air.
0: Yes, please do. Our next movie is 1986's Peggy Sue Got Married directed by Uncle Frank or Francis Ford Coppola featuring the attractive version of Kathleen Turner, uh, Barry Miller Joan Allen and a young Jim Carrey and of course our main man Nicolas Cage
1: Have you seen Peggy Sue Got Married? What did you remember about it? And what specifically did you remember about Nicolas Cage in this movie? Let us know
0: Music this week can be found uh, from my CD collection, and our theme song was written by Chris Cornell and Soundgarden, but performed by the wonderful Johnny Cash.
1: Remember to go to iTunes and leave us a four- or five-star review. It will really help.
0: Little white lies never hurt anybody. Remember that.
1: Well, sometimes.
0: Okay, well, sometimes. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Until then, we leave you with uh, the worst montage music from any movie ever, We don't know the title, so we're just going to call it Slow Death via Trumpet in A minor.
1: Thanks, everybody.
0: (laughs) All right. Bye. We'll hopefully have a better one next time for you.
1: Bye. I forgot to say this week we're reviewing the oh, blue. Oh, Brit. Okay. Oh no. Okay, I'll do my thing again. It's,
0: it's over. Podcast <laughs> is over.
1: <laughs> Let me say my thing again. Because <sighs> yours wasn't, and none of those takes were. Mine good. was perfect. No, yours were not good. It was gold. No, it wasn't. Okay. Go. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back.
3: Yes.